You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to grab Craig. Oh, we missed all of those great droopy dog demon lines. That makes me so sad. Hey, Craig, guess what? Bring me the whip. I hope you like the taste of that ball gag. <laughs> keep saying it's a microphone, but I'm going to keep it as a ball gag canonically. Sorry, Craigbot. You just got real king friendly in a way you probably didn't expect. <laughs> Recording on the internet, it got kink friendly real quick. <laughs> yeah, there's there are rules. So we're in a real good shape for episode 11 of In Absentia. Let's start off our introductions and let's start with you, Anne. Hi, I'm Anne. I play Story, the Kanku Rogue. But tonight I'm playing Lemuria, uh, the Wood Elf Druid. Jono, take it away. I demand my motivations. What drives me? <laughs> uh, I am John, or at Seasonal Bard. You can find me at those many locations. Tonight, I will not be playing Quill. I will be playing Fillion, the uh, Elf Druid. And I will be playing everyone else, or at least as many different voices as I can try to juggle at once. I'm Steve. I'm the GM. You can find me at Jeshek1 on Twitter. Most of the time, you can find me on Twitter at ubergeekmedia. We'd love for you to pop out to ubergeekmedia.com. And if you want to help us grow, give us a like, give us a follow, or just pop in and chit-chat with us. Some of our listeners might have noticed a, a distinct lack of Mark's dulcet tones over the air airwaves? Wire waves? I don't know how you want to call that. but Across the internet. Mark's tubes. not here tonight. So uh, where did you put his body? Well, I mean, my roses are looking great. I, I also was completely honest when I was making that gag. What What is my motivation, Steve? Explain to me. What What does this old man desire? Fillion is an older druid. You are you're kind of higher up in the druidic pecking order, but not high enough. You're essentially your Obi-Wan. You know, you're, you're kind of uh, outside the Jedi Council, but you're almost part of it, too. You and Lemuria. Let's, let's see. Know. Let's see how well I can do my Alec Guinness. Of course I know him. He's me. You two have, are returning to the Fort Hightower area. Specifically, you're just approaching the small town of Gilryan. You two have been scouting out various incidents that have been going on out in the forests southeast. You found a couple of mutilated corpses, and now you're heading back to the Druidic Coven in the mountains on the other side of the pass near Fort Hightower. As we open, you're pulling up to Gilryan. Gilryan's kind of a smaller quiet village it's all thatch roofs and the town itself is kind of set up in concentric circles there is a main road that goes in and then there's basically the trail that goes out it's kind of towards the end of the day 
and you guys are looking for some supplies. As you head into town, you see a group of small children run past in the middle of the road. They kind of freeze, look at you, smile, wave, giggle a little bit, and then run off. Druid craft flowers at them. They giggle. Ha! <laughs> Grab the flowers, sniff them. You start heading towards the center of town a little more. And Fillion, you would know that in the center of town, there is not really a shop or inn or anything like that because this town's too small. But kind of near the town square, there there is a villager that's willing to take people in for the night for a small amount of, of coin or or trading. And essentially, you just you get a sleeping roll in their loft. It's clean, it's dry. Um, for a little bit of extra copper, he might throw a little food for you in the morning. You approach the front door, knock, and a man opens the door. He's probably late 30s, clean shaven. He's got kind of longish red hair. Is that Fillion? Uh, yes, yes. Um, you, I, I don't remember you. It's me. It's it's Roderick. Ah, uh, ah, oh, sorry. It's getting getting on in years. Even these old elf eyes don't see so well. No, ah, the the Muria. Uh, bring bring the things in, would you, please? Radran turns and looks and goes, brought another another young one with you. Goes, I suppose you two need lodgings for the night? Yes, yes, yes. She's she's quite talented. And wait, you went uh sorry. Have you anything for me for my troubles? Kind of pat down like my my armor and um, hmm. would you take flowers? No, I I see you have a small stack of pelts. I'll, I'll uh, take that oh, yeah. though. Yeah, that that should do it, right? Do do we need to keep those? Now looking over to Lemuria. Lemuria is kind of a younger elf. She is not like a teenager or anything. You'd probably be like 85, 90, just mid-20s human comparison. Say, but human mid-20s? Okay. So I am apprenticing? It doesn't necessarily work that way in the druidic circle. You're with Fillion to learn what he knows. So he's kind of one of the sages. Oh, residents. Yeah, Fillion is kind of a historian and knows a lot of things about varied subjects amongst the juridic circle. That's why you've been tasked to follow him, is as he is kind of getting forgetful, the, the circle wants you to learn everything you can uh, as quickly as you can. It's not the most exciting of jobs. Tell that to somebody who's not a history nerd. I have turned to you... And in a wizened, kind of coaxing way, asked you, do, do we need to keep those pelts? I'm, I'm sure we can part with a few. 
<laughs> how, how many do you need? I believe two or three should suffice. Fair, fair, fair trade. Prepare two or three pelts. Pick two nicer ones and one kind of... Eh. One, one got a little little cut up as, as it was getting skinned. and Yeah. And he brings them in, and he kind of motions you in, gets things set up for the evening. There's kind of a low fire going. It's clear that he's already eaten, offers a crust of bread, and then, well, Fillion, you, you know where the loft is when you're ready to turn in. Go ahead and do so. Well, thank you. Uh, do you. Do you mind if I in, indulge a little bit? I, I don't. Looking around, seeing if he has any other patrons. No, there's there's nobody else there. It's it's very it is a very small village, and there's not likely to be a lot of people that come into the village, except for those people who know that it's there. It's kind of off the beaten path, and had you not specifically had to travel through this area. And you, Fillion, would have been here several times in the past. Um, and you probably knew um, Rodden's, you know, father and, and grandfather, um, which is how you... I also know Rodden. I, I, I know him. It's just easier to pretend that I forget him. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's... You've established this relationship over several generations with this family. And you're well known to the village. And they're on on pretty friendly terms with uh, the the group of elves that you're a part of. Do you mind uh, if I indulge a little? Sure, me. Be aware, I won't have time to to make much more before you wake in the morning. So I I pull a I pull a long slender pipe out and just start smoking away. That's uh, smells like some of that good. Elven pipe. Mind if I take a puff or two on that? Uh, hmm. What do you have to bargain? Kind of looks around his hut. and Perhaps a snifter of something behind the counter? I know your father kept, uh, kept something stashed away. And he, he pulls out this kind of clay jug and kind of smiles a little bit and goes, this is great grandfather's dandelion wine. Because I keep hold to the old recipe. He goes, I suppose a sip for a puff seems yeah, fair. You're, you're a good, good boy, Rotten. And I, I hand over the, the pipe and take a little sip. <laughs> and you two go back and forth. You know, a little puff, puff, pass, a little sip, sip. <laughs> I probably, I shoot the shit with Rodden for a while and and kind of just motion in a very subtle way that druids would know, like to have Lemuria pay attention to this kind of thing, because this is, this is probably how Fillion gets a lot of information that he knows, is just casually having a, a nice discussion with people. Rodden, he doesn't seem like he's trying to pry or anything like that. It's clear that he's curious why you've come through town. But as Lemuria is kind of unloading, unloading the cart and missed all of them. 
You know, you guys probably wouldn't have a cart so much as a couple of packs. Old man Fillion probably just had, like, gestured to you in a way that druids know, and elves kind of know that you should just kind of pay attention as he has a, a comfortable yet lengthy discussion with uh, this this young human man about, like, goings-on in the village, prying here and there for good information, but mostly just having that, that very, like, cordial chat as we drink as we drink alcohol <laughs> and i imagine too you're probably discussing generations of different families you know oh you know, how's this person oh they passed years ago you know they have their grandkids are doing well though blah 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 blah, blah. fillion it just kind of keeps prying keeps keeping the conversation going as it were eventually Rodden kind of gets up, stretches, and goes, well, I uh, fear now that I've had too much smoke and too much to drink for one night. You're welcome to whatever leftover bread is out, but um, I may not be awake right away in the morning. Wanders off. That's fair. Um, Kind of probably like snip a little bit of bread off. Uh, Keep me, sober me up a little. And then you guys turn in for the night. They probably, I mean, we're elves, so we don't, like, we meditate for, what, the four hours. And so probably there's a, a period of time where, like, I continue to kind of chomp on that pipe and ask Lemuria, like, probably in a much less, like, since we're away from the Druidic Circle, away from the other sages, just like, so, no. Where where were we exactly? I think we were discussing and some ancient topic that the elves would know of in your world. And it seems I'm I'm assuming Fillion is you described him as an Obi-Wan character. He kind of unfolds that very casual, forgetful nature and starts expressing things in a much more detailed manner. Some of it probably is not. It's it's probably not things that are openly spoken about in the Druid circle. It's a fairly closeted community. There's not a ton of outreach except for a few villages here and there. They try to avoid the larger towns because those towns tend to sprawl out and then destroy the natural world around them. Whereas the smaller villages tend to just more coexist with the surrounding area. And unless there's some minor conflict, they tend to kind of keep out of the way. Eventually, after meditating and chit-chatting and, and you know doing a little of light teaching, the sun rises outside. You can hear the sounds of a commotion out on the path out of town. Oh, no. And why don't you do a perception check for me? Just an old man. Fifteen? With a twenty-two. <laughs> Jesus. You happen to smell smoke, and it's overpowering to both of you. Fillion, you don't just notice that there's a lot of smoke in the air, but it seems to be everywhere. It doesn't seem like it's coming from one main direction. 
the wind isn't carrying this. So it like whatever is burning has been burning for a while. And you get that immediate sense that whatever the commotion is about is probably linked to the smoke. Uh, I think we have to intervene. Are you uh, prepared? Of course. Good, good. Uh, I it would be rude of me to take lead. Uh, yeah, I, I go and see what I can find outside. So as soon as you get out, and as I said, this village is not large. There's perhaps a few hundred people that live here at most. Up the road, you can see a few people on horseback in these long white robes. And on the chest, you can see kind of this smudged ashen picture. But it's too far at this point. You can't quite make out what it is. The smoke is starting to billow into town. And it seems like it's coming from all directions. Through the smoke you begin to see more of these robed figures from all directions heading steadily towards the town. And the townspeople are starting to wake up. Some of the early risers, like the baker and things like that, are starting to shout and point. And people are starting to rouse and start running this way and that. And it's starting to be a little chaotic. Fillion, you see the children from the night before kind of running this way and that they don't seem to understand what's going on. They look pretty scared and they're just kind of running from one direction and then stopping a little bit, looking for someone. And then they run to the other side of the road or the path and and look for, keep looking and they don't seem to be able to find who they're looking for. I will, I will try to catch their attention. Yeah. I was going to say Olympia would go and see if she can, corral them and ask them who they're looking for. And... Uh, we're, we're, we're looking for Inc- Uncle Jessup. I can't, we can't find him. Where was, where was he the last time you saw him? Uh, it's, it's, he, we woke up and he, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't at, at our, our, our cottage. And what does he look like? Um, he's, he's tall and, and he's, he's a man. and. Um, he has dark hair and, um, he wears, he wears a tunic and. Would I know what Jessup looks like? No, but you would kind of recognize the name of this kinder, older gentleman in town that tends to take care of the town's orphans. Are the people with the smoke, like, do I have a chance to make sure these kids are, like, a quick look to see if they're okay before we go on? Yeah, they, they're they not visibly injured or anything like that. They're just terrified. So, I'm, I'm, how many? There's four. Four? I grab yeah. two of their hands, and, and I, I kind of heard and say, okay, well, let's start looking. Which way is your house? Is your house? If he's not there, let's start looking away. And and they kind of point towards the back of the town, away from the path that leads into the town. And they go there, um, kind, kind of that way. They don't give you like a specific house or anything. They just kind of look like point in a direction. They're starting to cry and 
you know, the sniffles and the snot. <laughs> okay, we're going to start asking people, and, and I start leading them to where a person might be to ask. I, I kind of get her attention and turn back towards Rodden's home and not not even subtly, I'm going to shillelagh on his door to get him to wake up. You hear Rodden, oh, God, my head clambers up and a few seconds later, he just opens the door and squints out and he's he's looking pretty rough. <laughs> Rodden, you need to sober up quick. Your the town is in danger. The orphans, Jessops, the children for Jessop, uh, they need you to man up, so to speak. Uh, where's Jessop? We're going to check that out, but you need to get these children. There seems to be someone, something trying to endanger the town. You need to get them to safety. I, uh, I, uh, I suppose it's a, I, he looks around and he just squints and he sees smoke kind of billowing up from the surrounding trees and um, I, I guess we could hide. Yeah, no, no, don't hide. You, you remember the old path? Sure, your father or grandfather showed yes, you. Yes, yes, I, 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 I can. I, I'll try. These children, it's quit your crying. Let's. We must. We must go now ushers them forward and starts leading them kind of off to the, the west of town. And you can see them kind of going from house to house. As you guys are talking, the, the smoke's looming near town and these robed figures start grabbing people. They're just herding them up. And then you can start hearing screaming out towards the path, towards the entrance of town. And you can't quite see what's going on, but there's screams of pain and terror. So that's where I go. Seeing his charge take action, Fillion will fall. You approach the outskirts of town. People are frantic. They are running away. And you're pushing them aside. They're clearly being herded towards the center of town. And you just see five or six of these robed figures. And now that you're closer, you can see this smudged black hand across their white robes. As soon as they can get close enough to grab someone, they're grabbing them and you just see them stab into the chest. And people aren't even stopping to try to fight. They're just running. And you see more and more of these white-robed figures. Amongst the screams, you hear Rodden shouting out. And you start hearing the kids screaming. Fillion, uh, Fillion's gonna whip around. I run, I have 35 feet walking. Go as fast as I can. So I'm assuming you're all going full speed. Yeah. As you get towards the old path, it's clearly blocked off by a low fire. That's going through the fields and the trees surrounding the village. On the outside of the ring of fire, you can see more white robed figures burning the surrounding fields of crops and trees. And there is a group in a ring walking towards the center of town. 
every time they catch someone, they either shove them directly into the flames or they stab them or lash out. And so far, they all seem to be carrying these kind of wicked looking uh, short swords or long daggers. It's all stabbing weapons, though. There's no one with a club. No one appears to be casting any sort of spell. But they have this terrible purpose about them. And you can see the children running through what's left of the fields back towards the village. Behind them, you see a white figure with his black hand. You now see two bloodied hands streaked down his robes. How far are we? How quickly can I get to them? And when I get to the children, will I be within 60 feet of that figure and some fire? Yes. So very quickly, you'd be able to reach them. They're kind of just across the field. It's maybe 100 feet. So if we wanted to do this properly and roll some initiative, that'd be great. 16. 10. Okay, so 10 and 16. Fillion would be the first one to reach the children. About 30 feet away is this white-robed figure. He is kind of now rushing as he sees you approach. So he's, how close is he? 30, he'd be 30 feet away from you right now as you reach the children. I don't want to do anything too flashy. Uh, so I'm just going to thorn whip that guy. Melee spell attack. Oh, that's terrible. That's a nine. <laughs> okay. So that is not a hit. So I lash this this like long then... vine out at this guy. Probably like covering the children as best as I can. You now have vines covering the children? Nope. Nope. So I just whip like I kind of wrap an arm around and with the other arm whip oh, this gotcha. out. So White Robe runs up to you. And he's going to attack. Natural 20. Oof. Horrible <laughs> oh, man. You did good. Hello, adventure. So that would be four. That would be six points. Six points of damage. That's fair. That's a reasonable amount of damage. I accept your damage, sir. And then now that you two are closer as well, you see that his face and his hands up to his elbows are covered in soot. You know, when I was making this character and we've been doing all this stuff in the campaign with like fire and the burnt hand, maybe being a pyro is a bad idea. It's fine. Whose turn is it now? Cool. So I get on the other side of the children, then fill in. So they are blocked, like making sure there's more than one angle covered. Flanked. <laughs> flanking the children well, yeah, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that it need that kids need to be flanked you know but like make protect the children uh and then i'm gonna produce flame at his face okay these these children could be cultists too we don't know perhaps flanking them <laughs> is the uh include them nine we're bad at our jobs we're bad you guys are really bad nine you attempt to damage him with this this flame and you're using the shape was it control flame or shape flame produce flame produce flame yeah if i create bonfire produce flame and control flame 
So a little spark comes into existence and there's like just enough of a vacuum of oxygen that it just snuffs out right away. And then we go back to Fillion. Okay. Well, I'll say the children run past you in the other direction. Oh, yeah. They, it's, <laughs> no, they're going to all die. I'm seeing them run. I Fillion does not have time for this. Uh, so I'm going to create a little bit of action economy silliness. And I'm going to use Summon Fey. Now, that is not immediate, right? That takes. Does that take a turn? Uh, you call forth a Fey Spirit. It manifests in an unoccupied space you can see within range, which uh, I'm going to just put it behind this guy from where I'm standing. The Comporter Form uses the Fey Spirit stat block, which I have on hand. And when you cast the spell, choose a mood, and that grants it a certain ability. And that shares your initiative, does it not? Yes believe they get to do things on my turn. Like immediately? Uh, ally to you and your companions in combat shares your initiative count, but it takes its turn immediately after yours. Okay. Now, I replaced my fo- my turn with Trixie Fay because I wanted to be able to fill a cube within five feet of- with magical darkness. And I'm assuming that's surrounding him. Well, uh, so on, and that, that would be as a bonus action. So on its turn, this spicy Fay creature... <laughs> with multi-attack, oh boy, and a short sword. Um, oh, it's rounded down. The number of attacks equal to half the spells level rounded down. Rude. Uh, so it makes a hit with a short sword. Spell attack modifier to hit, reach five feet, one target, 1d6 plus three. Oh, wow, it does a lot of damage if it hits. Okay, well, so I get one D. I'm gonna just roll a D20 because I don't know how to make it plus things. <laughs> that is a that is a natural one. Oh, good lord! For this fake creature to hit. You said it had multi attack though. Uh, yeah, it's equal to half the spell's level, and I only have third level spells, uh, so it can only attack once. Uh, but as a bonus action, it can use its special fey power. So it's going to, yeah, it's just going to make a five-foot cube of darkness on top of this guy. Okay. This pitch-black cube surrounds him, and just you just hear a grunt. Like, no comment, no nothing, just a grunt. And then it would be Mr. White Robe's turn, and he's going to lash out in front of him. And I believe... Well, first of all, I should roll percentile to see if it actually. Well, we'll just roll to see if it hits first, and then we'll roll percentile to see. 13? Who's he shooting for? He's going to shoot for Fillion because that's the only one he's really keeping track of right now. 10? 10 will miss. Okay, so you just see this kind of blackened blade slice out of the darkness and. Comes nowhere near you. Good. good. And then we go to Lemuria. We're not doing good at this. <laughs> We're bad at our jobs. You're not dead yet. It's true. I feel like that's a plus. I mean, there's still time. Don't get me wrong. And considering that ben, there's been no mention of your new characters at all in the current campaign, doesn't bode well. <laughs> Since he still has darkness. If you if you use a spell that has an attack modifier, you have to roll it at disadvantage as well. Or no, we're in flanking position. I think that would just cancel it out. It would nullify yeah. it. So never mind. Strike strike my comment, Dan. Alright. So Lamira 
going to. So you're still alive. Yep, we're all alive. <laughs> Everything's fine. So far. So far. It's going to be mad that she fizzled. And so she is going to wild sh- oh, shit. I forgot we have that power. <laughs> <laughs> like easily the most iconic druid ability. And you could just slip your mind. Like y'all said we're playing druids. And I was like, I'm turning into shit. That's, I am turning into cool shit. True. I completely. Like, yeah, no, that is like the coolest druid power. And I'm like, um, I was I, upset that literally we went to bed and I could not figure out a reason to wild shape. John's going to turn into droopy dog. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. The village is burning. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn into a giant badger. That seems pretty rad. Oh no. Between a wolf and a badger. I'm too old a dog to catch up to the children and save them. And I assumed that um, I had not seen a velociraptor. Probably not. No, probably not. Shame. Amiria is not that well traveled yet. Yeah, I'm a giant badger, and I'm going to get up all close. How bad is Fillion looking? I'm, oh, I'm great. I'm fantastic. You're great? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm going to flank the fucker. I turned into a badger, and I moved. That's all I can do. I was going to say, I think that would be it, right? Yeah. Thinking about it. might be a bonus action. It's it's an action. Oh, okay. Yes. It's As an action. Assume the shape of a beast you have seen before twice per short rest. Max yep. CR one fourth, fourth level, max CR one half, no flying speed. You can stay in B shape for two hours before reverting back to your normal form. Or as a bonus action earlier, or if you fall unconscious, drop to zero hit points or die. Which I mean, like if it is on me, I'll die, but right now, bad. Then it goes back to Fillion. I guess that seems how about the kids? Uh, Since he can't see me, I guess I'll use my action to disengage and go corral children. Cause yeah, like I don't want these kids to just die. (laughs) See what I should have done is I should have been like the wolf and run after the kids, but no, you, you, you are younger and more spry and can definitely handle this along with my fairy. Your issues. Yeah. Making character choices. And I'm, I'm going to go corral those children. My, my fake creature, however, is going to absolutely try to do better than it did this last time. Better than a one. A one. I don't know if it's going to be able to manage that. Since it's still in its dark. Oh, God. Uh, 13? That's it. Oh, this is a lot of damage. How do I... Okay. This, this is work. 2d6. And I have to do more math. Oh, God. Why is there so much math? I'm a wizard. What am I doing? Uh, it's almost like this is a math-based... So it time. is a total of 14 damage. Oh, damn. Yeah. So you just, you hear a grunt and you just see this one blackened hand and part of a robe flop out of the cube. And the end of the phase turn, the darkness fades. And you just see this kind of bloodied 
white-robed figure lying in the tall grass. This black dagger falls from his hand. Dead? He is dead. Better make sure. We druids are <laughs> druids know that we should make sure things die. Always double tap. Oh uh, yeah, so Fillion goes and corrals these children together, and since I can concentrate and keep that fairy around for up to an hour, I'm gonna kinda have it just float over and it's a Trixie fairy, so it's probably like one of the more summer court cutesy kind of fae creatures. And it'll just fly around. It's it's probably pretty adorable. I mean, it does have a short sword that it used to stab a man, but it's probably still cute. The badger goes and tries to look, you know, cute and comforting to the children running. And badgers are known for their cute and cuddly now. <laughs> uh, um, excuse me, have you seen have, badgers? They're uh, adorable. Uh, I have they're, seen they're badgers. They are not. When they're angry. Um, no, but don't piss off badgers. How do you uh, not well, piss off a badger? Yeah, that I think that's a very good question. How how do you make a badger happy? Blood. <laughs> I'm gonna go in badger form. Uh, say, do we? They're kids. It's fluffy. It's cute. Do we trick these children to stop running? Yeah. So I mean, they they see you, and they recognize you as the adult that helped them a few seconds earlier. And then they just they're basically just sobbing quietly. One of them just kind of starts wailing a little bit. You know, I imagine you kind of like I go and kind of do the dog thing, but as a badger, it kind of buries its, you know, her face in your fur. Yeah, just kind of carefully with the claws, (laughs) big claws like. Yeah. Um, (laughs) children you know doing the you know the the comforting animal child's upset while still watching and and as you look back this ring of fire around town is closing in and more robed figures are kind of pushing through the smoke you see a lot of the townsfolk are getting corralled into the center of the town you just hear wailing at this point. And there's a few screams of pain and despair, but the few attempts to kind of break loose and get out are not going well. I drop beast shape, kind of shush the children, and I assess with more knowledge. Went from a minus four to a, to a neutral. Um, can I get... Is there anything we can do? Like, I can... I know that I can control flame. Is there a way, like, are we close enough? Are we, are they far away? Are there hundreds of these cloaked people? Or is this worth? There are probably over a hundred of them. This is not a small force that's come down on this town. Even with the the children and non-combatants, they easily outnumber the townsfolk now. As you kind of glance around, you do see a lot of bodies, and they're starting to kind of drag them towards the center of town. It's obvious that there's nothing we can do. Pretty much. There might, might be a slim chance 
of escape at the way back of the town. And now that you've taken out one of the robed figures, Philian, you would recognize that your best course of action might still be that old old path. But you also recognize you might need to get more information to bring back to the next town or to the druidic circle. Um, So many children. Four, Four, I think. Yeah. Uh, Fillion will turn to Lemuria. I'm old. Uh, I trained you. You know the old path. I've shown you already. Get these children to safety. I trust your ability. You passed all the tests you need to pass. I'm going to make sure that we have enough information about what happens here to at least save future towns. You would recognize some of the things they're doing closer to town. You're noticing hearts out of some of these people. And you're recognizing this is similar to what you've been investigating further out to the southeast. Okay, I'll get them out. Where are we meeting? Take them to the old briar patch. Just along the way, closer to Hightower. The place. They'll be at least safer if we can bring them there. I'm going to take a little bit of like narrative with this. Four smaller children, yes? Mm-hmm. So I use second. I tell the children I'm turning into a horse. I'm gonna haunch down. All four of you get on, on to my my neck. Turn into a riding horse, which has a sixty foot speed. And I'm sure there are faster things. The chat can yell at me later. I don't know. <laughs> and to carry four children, I think that's pretty fast. I think that's probably a pretty optimal. Oh, a riding horse can carry four small children. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the narrative is I'm a druid. We do stuff. So I have like ropes and cloths. So it's not like bareback. That's impossible. First time. I don't know these kids, but they have something to, to like hang on to and squeeze and we go. Like I, I haunch down and I I would hope that Fillion would understand to help the kids up. Oh yeah, I would get all the children on board. And uh Except for one, he has to die. Except <laughs> for you. You right there. He is my sacrifice to Droopy Dog. Yeah, I go as fast as I can, you know, feeling that the kids are still on my back. By the way, I'm a quarter horse and my butt is white and I have speckles. And nobody else knows this, but my name is, is Cracker. <laughs> That's important. It is very important. You have a base speed of 60? So 60. Your, your full movement speed would be 120 then. Per oh, round, yeah. For every six yeah. seconds. That I was quickly looking through what would be fast. And that I could carry the kids. So, brush fire, hot and fast. But also, it's a pretty... It it does not burn for acres and acres at a time, typically. Like, width-wise. You start running. And your first uh, 120 feet is going to be through fire. 
So you're going to take... You haven't gotten a hit yet, have you? Have it. Five points of damage. A horse can take that. <laughs> a horse can take it. Uh, I think so. And I'm just going to roll some checks for the kids. Don't worry about it. Killing children. This is a narrative thing. Thank you. So the first one slumps forward across the horse's mane. How high is the fire, though? Because that was my other reason for being a horse. Uh, it would be pretty low to the ground. But fumes, smoke inhalation, overtakes the kid. Give me an asthmatic child. Asthma child dies. I'm channeling my inner asthmatic right now. Slumps forward. Great. But fortunately, the child behind him grabs him around the waist and grabs a hold of your mane. Yep, I... As long as the kids are stable on me, I keep going. I... I can't fix heart being pulled out, but I can fix other things. The others are coughing heavily, but remain in the saddle. And the one in front seems to be holding the the unconscious one in front of him on. Whether it's from the smoke or the overstimulation, all the stress, you don't you, you don't know because you're a horse running through fire. But you can just feel one of them slumped across your neck and mane, and one is holding on. And the others appear, mm. it seem to be fine as far as you can tell. I should have had them put something over their face, but I didn't think of it. Almost like it's a, a stressful situation within six to 12 seconds. All the horse is thinking is, is you know, can count to four. One, two, three, four on my back and got to get through the, the fire. Then you break through the fire. And the kind of the smoldering fields, and you make a break for the tree line. Yeah, yeah. You can hear some shouting behind you, but you're just booking. Then we're going to flash back to Fillion, who is now alone with his his fae friend. Uh, I'm going to probably get to a building nearby where this is happening. And try to hide my person as best as possible, but keep an eye on things. Because there's no way I'm saving these people. Like at this point, Fillion recognizes that that this is kind of the natural thing that's going to take place as these people that he knows are probably gonna die. Unless like if there's a moment where I see like a chance to do something and maybe save some extra lives, he might take it. But if not, I, I definitely recognize that. Fillion would probably look around and recognize that the little hope that was left today is probably just left on horseback. Go ahead and roll me intelligence roll. It's a nine. Okay, let's do it with advantage. <laughs> that is purely for story's sake, John. That's a 15. That's better. John, you need to roll with the narrative. I need to succeed when it matters. <laughs> Rules-wise, that would make sense because you've been in stressful situations before. You've been in your hundreds of years as an elf. Rules-wise, you're the DM. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old, and I sometimes have moments of clarity. <laughs> I feel like I have more moments of clarity than not, and I just pretend to be old. <laughs> 
you recognize when you're looking around that you need to probably seek high ground or at least some place higher up that you can remain hidden. You do see a windmill towards the west side of the town, but somewhat overlooking the center of town where they're starting to corral everyone. You recognize that it might be tough to get there, but in the chaos, they might overlook an animal too. You yeah, know. I was going to say, oh, wait, I'm a druid. What's a small bird? Uh, let's go with like a swallow. Is a swallow really a small bird? Swallows are pretty small, yeah. Or you could go, you could do a crow or a raven. I will go with a bird that is is uh, near and dear to our region of the world, a chickadee. Aww. Chickadee. A tiny bird body will flutter up to the top of that windmill. Don't think that any of the guides, like, I don't think D&D has chickadee in their thing, but I think they do have, like, a smaller bird. Because they're wrong. You turn into a mountain chickadee or a chestnut-backed chickadee. Works, yes. Let's be specific. Which one is cuter? That's the one he turns into. The chestnut-backed one is definitely cuter. That's what he becomes. Chat can take a poll on it. Do a Google search. See if the mountain chickadee or the uh, uh, chestnut-backed chickadee is, is cuter, in your opinion. And we'll retcon it. Because that's a super vital detail to this podcast. <laughs> I'd say canary is probably the closest thing that I can find a stat block for. Okay. Uh, you have flight. That's the important I have flight. thing. Yeah. Mountain and black cap? Uh, ch- chestnut backed. Why well, flutter my little bird body to the top? Um, as you gain some elevation, do a perception check for me. You're chestnut backed. And authority on all things cute. Birds just have a natural flat 10, I think. Passive perception is just a 10. Okay, yep. So I got a 13. (laughs) My little bird body. So as you gain elevation, down below, you see a lot more of the white-robed figures than you initially had estimated. They are surrounding the village, and you see wagons bringing in these large pillars. And you're not entirely sure what they're doing, but they're erecting them at certain points around the village. And you can see some of the villagers, instead of being slaughtered, they're starting to have them make a small stone wall around the center of the village. And you see these white-robed figures are starting to corral a bunch of the children in the center of the circle. Why? How long can you stay in bird form? Two hours. Two hours? Okay. Probably about this time that I probably would have just gotten rid of the fae creature. (laughs) Like when I turned into a bird. And about 45 minutes later, off in the distance, you see this large wagon pull up, and it's pretty ornate. It doesn't have any symbols on it, but it is just painted black. 
and it has this kind of sinister presence about it. And you see a figure step out of it who he has this long fur cape and a helmet with stag horns on it. He approaches and he seems to be kind of overseeing this strange operation going on. And you see him kind of muttering to some of the white robed figures and they run off. You see them lining the circle with hay and lighting it on fire with the children in the center. The children start to cough and they start crying and wailing. You see a few of the older adults from the village kind of break out and try to fight their way towards the children and they're just slaughtered on the spot. Suddenly, these dark clouds roll in. You hear this low thunder in the background. In the center of this pack, the children kind of spread out, and you see this lone, small figure emerge. And it's a little girl. And from what you can see, this truly dark aura surrounds her. That's where we're going to end our session tonight. I do want to. I do want to say, the uh, the player in me would love to do something incredibly stupid right now, but narratively, I understand not doing that. Fillion would would understand not to do the thing that I really wanted to do. But I just wouldn't. It'd just be so nice. We're we're in in absentia behind the scenes now. I mean, let's let's do our closing and then we can unpack a little bit of of what we just went through here. And I just put to rest what happens with the horse and the kids. We live. Do these children survive? Sure, we can we can RP that out real quick. Gonna say as soon as we were safe, because it, I mean it does. It, we're gonna go and wait for him to be done, so nothing really narratively is gonna happen. But like they're the kids, the kids cultists. <laughs> Except for it's her. It's her, and I don't want to deal with it. what you. Are making a break for the yep. tree line. You already did your initial round to break through the fire. You hear shouting behind you. But remember, only a handful of these white robe figures had horses. So as you're breaking towards the tree line, you do hear shouting. You hear some galloping. Compared to what you're carrying, they're carrying full-grown adults. So weight-wise, you can just fucking book. And you start gaining ground and gaining ground. Eventually, you start to not hear as many sounds of pursuit. I imagine you keep going until you have to wild shape back. I keep going until either I find somewhere safe or I have to wild shape back. And I try to, like before that so i'm not just so this is an area that you and Fillion would have traveled probably several times i mean you guys kind of know the mountains around fort hightower and i would trying to listen so that i could slow down sure the whole way so you're not following any path so you're going as the bird flies towards this briar patch near hightower if you recall in our main campaign it took a couple hours to get to gil ryan You guys, you're booking uh, in horse form, and even at a normal pace, you go twice as fast as a human. 
So you make it there in about half yeah. that time. You don't hear any sounds of pursuit any longer. This briar patch is off the side of the, the main road back to Fort Hightower. But you can see smoke in the distance. And you do see that the forces of Fort Hightower are starting to head out along the path. Like, it probably took them some time to gather enough forces to head out there. But you do see a few horses that are just booking down the path. And then a larger group of guards and soldiers Fort Hightower. And would not recognize this amount of force coming from Fort Hightower. But Lemuria would know that there's a sizable garrison still at Fort Hightower. And you would see not just humans, but you'd also see dwarves, few elves mixed in, along with some tabaxi, and even a few dragonborn, all marching together along the path. And you get this kind of slight feeling of hope. And then you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait for most of the day. And the kids, they're trying to, you know, they're getting hungry. I imagine you kind of share your rations and things like that. I would share my rations. The kid who is unconscious, can I cure wounds? Like, yeah, you can you can clear wounds. Unconscious or dead? Okay. He's fine. Unconscious. He was unconscious, okay. to be clear. Eventually, as the day wears on, you know, his little Louise big breath clear off a little bit. Your yeah. asthma. <laughs> That's because he rolled a 15. What? Yeah, do you do you have you know a corticosteroid that you can spray into his mouth? <laughs> is there coffee in your world? There is not. I mean, there's caffeine. Of course, there's coffee. This is me. Would you really believe that there's no coffee in my world? It might be hell. I don't know. I was going to say, if Anne, if Anne took enhanceability, you could just enhance constitution on him. Or go get the kids caffeine. You, you kind of patch up little nicks and bruises on the children. The day starts to get a little bit later. And you start worrying more and more. Fillion might not be making it back. And it's it's still a hike, but you can still hear shouting. You can still see smoke off in the distance. You see these thunder clouds roll in, this this kind of lightning. Suddenly at about midday, you see the sky kind of break. And where these dark black thunder clouds were the sky just kind of opens up and it's still daytime, but you can see stars in the sky. Slowly, the clouds roll back in and they lighten and disperse. And another hour passes. You start to see one or two people start kind of straggling back to Fort Hightower from Gilryan. And they're pretty dinged up and beat up. And they kind of have this phased look on their face. But you still don't see Fillion. You do me like this. Now you can end it. I just want to make sure little Mr. Asthma was fine. 
the day ends, no fillion. And we'll we'll end it there with the little kid is still alive, but we'll leave the rest hanging because I'd like to revisit this. Yes, in the future. You killed me like an old man. I just <laughs> there was child violence. I had four to take care of. I was making sure yeah. that I had four. A little bit of a darker episode. I mean, what? In that case, since we're we're uh, we're after recording, I suppose we should wrap. Yeah, let's up wrap first. it up first. Um, I want to thank the people that did pop into chat, people. even just to be goofy while we were BSing, to listen in to us pontificate for the first forty-five minutes. Specifically, in flames nine nine one. Thank you for so many comments about weed. That was super great. Thanks for listening in. Really appreciate it. If you like what you heard tonight, which tonight was a darker episode, but it does fill in a little bit of the world history for at least the region that we're in, please follow us. Give us a like, especially right now as we're trying to reach affiliate. We would love for you to follow us here on Twitch. Come check us out on ubergeekmedia.com. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter as a group, you can reach out to us at UberGeekMedia. Or if you want to reach me, I'm Steve at Jeshek1. And I am the Crafty Heathen on Twitter and Instagram. And I do have a TikTok. I've done nothing with any of them. I will be getting better. And John? Don't worry, things will get much darker in the future. Uh, I am at Seasonal Bard. And you can find me on Twitch. I stream a fair amount at this point, I guess. And on Twitter, which I check, if people actually said things at me, I probably would respond, but no one does. So I just sort of post. I'll say thanks to you, just to make you feel better. That works. Before you wrap the stream up, before we raid someone, I do want to say, just out of bounds, if you kill Fillion, he would he would go out in style. He would lightning the shit out of that uh that horned guy. He would like transform out of wild shape and just lightning bolt him right in the face. We're gonna cut it off right where we cut it off, John. No, with a little raid bit someone. of ambiguity.